Welcome to Bitcoin Aggregated. Um, we took a week off because we had stuff on, or was it two weeks off? I think Chris, but whatever. It's been um, it's been a while since drinks. It's been, yeah. been a little while, yeah. <laughs> so we've cracked open the drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, cheers. Um, a lot of content to get through, and uh, we've got a guest today, Brett, who uh, we met through. Weirdly enough, like you live, what? 20 minutes from me which is so bizarre yeah um through someone in america that was like oh you should you should hook up with this guy brett so we went for coffee and we were, had a very similar um journey for the last year or, or so um from education um kind of into specifically into sort of building stuff in the um bitcoin slash um i guess crypto space more so uh, for yourself with with stacks and everything, but did you want to give a bit of an intro to yourself and and your background and and um and then we'll go into sort of what you're working on on later on. Yeah, for sure. So as you said, yeah, my name is Brett. Um, I had been in education for ten years. Uh, I guess I've been uh, involved in crypto and obviously you know kicked off to the journey with Bitcoin late 2016, early 2017. So obviously, wish I bought a bit more back then. Um, when I hopped in, but that's everyone's story apart from one of my mates who's, who's done really well. Um, but yeah, so been in education for about 10 years and then obviously the last couple of years, uh, teaching from home because we had serious lockdowns as you probably would have remembered Kieran in Melbourne. Um, and so I was spending a fair bit of time online, obviously, because of teaching the kids over, over the computer. And then obviously being able to sort of explore and keep feeding my crypto and uh you know obviously i can talk a bit more about it um working for gamma which is an nft marketplace in the stacks ecosystem happy to talk about how stacks and bitcoin interrelate after but um yeah yeah i ended up sort of getting involved in the nft space i found parallels between uh that sort of interesting community side of being um an educator and then that you know the crypto side of mixing into the the nft space and um various sort of i guess yeah what's yeah various kind of pathway through there but um yeah i guess it's it's been really interesting similar i guess when i caught up with kieran it was fascinating to kind of hear about things that we've done and things that we sort of taught the students and both been sort of interested in and i guess um politically and financially and you know um keeping an eye and we, we just had a little chat um before the podcast began about you know, an experience that I had in Argentina um, when I was backpacking back with my now wife back, that was in um, 2013 and just how, you know, the interesting things that Bitcoin can do and Bitcoin can fix in terms of like hyper hyperinflation and how fiat's really, you know, taking a pummeling at the moment. And yeah, so it's sort of all been kind of like a, a to use your, your the podcast called Bitcoin Aggregated, it's been sort of an aggregation or a culmination of a lot of my interests um, to end up in the in the place that I am now and yeah be investing in the space but then also be invested in the space because I sort of have made the leap and work um yeah for an nft marketplace in web3 it's pretty cool and that you were telling me um a little story about yourself with the the kids at school so you, I don't know yeah. if you want to talk about it but like you're happy to yeah 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 so like you you took it upon yourself to sort of teach them financial literacy um, using BGC and um, yeah, do, do you want to run us through that a little bit? Yeah, of course. So it's really fascinating. Um, 
you know, the curriculum has its sort of positives and negatives. And I guess one of the pitfalls is kind of like the outcomes that they want the the teachers to teach the students when it comes to financial literacy. And I just thought, you know what, um, I've got the flexibility and the freedom to teach the students what I want because we're teaching from home. Probably would have done it if we were at school anyway. But um, yeah, sort of rather than teaching like the traditional financial literacy curriculum, I switched it over and we um, talked about Bitcoin and we talked about cryptocurrency and we talked about how, how you know, at, at obviously it was, they were grade five, six students. So at that 11 and 12 year old level, which is a great time to learn because they're so open to learning at that stage, just about how uh, talking about digital scarcity, talking about scarcity, talked about the history of money and how, you know, the banks and the governments have really controlled things and, you know, um, I guess, you know, suppressed what we can do with our money and causes for like house prices and, uh, and, and then them understanding the stock market as well. And obviously then linked it into their sort of traditional maths, but did a lot of um, mm. comprehension around Bitcoin and mining and why it works and why, what decentralization means in their life at their, you know, at their age. And I think it really resonated with them actually, because it's funny, 11 and 12 year olds, you know, um, start to want to be their own little people and don't want, you know, don't want the man to tell them what to do. And it's sort of like, there are amazing parallels. And I think it's a really great age for them to sort of figure it out. So we did lots of fun things. They sort of picked a few cryptocurrencies and then sort of tracked it and graphed it. And we talked about why some of them did well, why some of them didn't. They did a little background research on, um, on the ones that they picked. And it was sort of interesting for them to, um, really kind of explore that and and also you know we talked a little bit about a little bit about um nfts and community and, and digital scarcity and how that sort of links in as well so yeah something i'm passionate about something that you know i've got two young kids my five and a bit year olds already starting to understand a little bit about and yeah i guess you know it, it really does um tie together with with the macro environment in which we live so yeah it was fascinating stuff and it was fun stuff and i absolutely loved it yeah, that's really cool. I think I think it's it's so important and like going back to like my days at, at Varana, um, and even yeah, even last year really and all the stuff the kids are doing online. It was a, such a good opportunity, like through the lockdown period, for um like different types of education to sort of bleed in and um I guess sort of overwrite some of the legacy curriculum. Like yeah, yeah. like you said, like there's a lot of stuff that you you kind of just have to to go through just because it's part of the quote unquote curriculum and there's regulators that go through that. And it's that they're not always the, the brightest people, right? <laughs> like writing the curriculum, like the, a lot of the stuff you, you, you look at like, Jesus, like, why, why are we doing this? And like the rote learning and it's just, it's crazy. Yep. So it's so cool to see someone else um, leading the charge with that. And then, yeah, it's, it'll be amazing to see, like, I don't know if you still, have contact with any other students or anything, but to see where they go with that sort of down the track. And if they, cause you know, you always remember like back to primary school and it's, yeah, so much um, amazing stuff that, that, uh, you know, a lot of schools that we wouldn't have the opportunity to do. So you, you, you kind of did that on your own and to see where that goes, I think is really important. Anyway, we'll kick on. Let's, yeah, of let's, course. let's go to the news. <laughs> We've got a lot of stuff that we, uh, that we've kind of posted. Um, let's have a look at your screen. Is that popping up? Oh, actually, hang on. Stop share. Because um, we want the audio. Here we go. Is that coming up? It's just loading now. There we go. Yeah. Um, yes, there's a bunch of stuff. This one I just saw today. I don't know if you guys saw this. 
I but, saw that. Yeah, how cool is that? I was, I was looking at the the comments as well. Everyone's like, "Oh, that's amazing!" But um, yeah, Excel. So Microsoft Excel has actually incorporated BTC into their currency, um, like as as one of the main currencies. And one of the comments I saw on there that was really funny is like, "Well, it'll probably be the only one left like pretty soon." Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's that's probably true. But um, I thought that was so. It's it's a sign of the times, I reckon. Like for a big company like Microsoft to do that, like it's that's huge. I yeah, reckon. it's not subtle, is it? No, it's not subtle at all. I think it's uh, it'd be cool if they integrated Sats as well. I reckon that'd be that's that's the next one, right? Like having that's what I was going to ask. Does it automatically kind of do it to a hundred million satoshis, or does it? Is it just like the symbol? It's like lip service. Uh, from one of the quotes, apparently they've got the decimal place wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. But uh, but look, it's a step in the right direction. I think is pretty uh, pretty cool. Um, there was this thing as well that I saw uh, today. And I was like, holy shit! This guy's built a backpack. If you can see that. that yeah, that was at the mining conference that happened about a month or so ago in America. I uh, saw this before, yeah. I was like, that is sick. I mean, it's a yeah. gimmick, but it looks like something out of, like, I don't know, Ghostbusters or something. <laughs> I'm still confused as to how they have enough power to, like, actually power that thing. Yeah. Like, that must be it on the bottom, that square in the bottom. Whatever That's the a hell UPS. That is. So he's rocking a UPS on the bottom, um, powering what? that. So he must be charging that, like, as I'm he goes. So it's, it's obviously just mining as he's, like, walking around and then... He has to charge it up like from time to time, but still, such yeah, a I can't cool... imagine it would have a really long l- runtime. But yeah, it's 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 a cool gimmick for a for a mining conference. It's an art. That's an art project. Now yeah. that that's an art project. <laughs> an art project. <laughs> yeah, very, move, very... move over, Van Gogh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. So the other one I wanted to talk about was uh, this one here. So. I don't know if you remember, Chris, like years ago, there was a guy at the Bitcoin Center and the Blockchain Center who came through and he was um, adamant that he was going to like use... I think I know who you're talking about. I forget his name, but he was like... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know his name either, but he was doing something with like text messaging in Bitcoin or something, right? Yeah, yeah. In Africa specifically. I was just like... Yeah, I remember the guy, but I don't remember much about it. Yeah, I I had a long chat with him, I remember. And he was adamant that he was going to integrate um, Bitcoin transactions into like old Nokia's and like old um, old phones because that's what people mostly use in Africa. Yeah. And I was like, I, I didn't get it. I don't, I don't really understand how he was doing it. Neither I thought did it I. was kind of like crazy a little bit, but it looks yeah, like it it's legit. Right? <laughs> I was like, what? I popped across it. I was like, wow. So someone's like, either it's him. Or someone's had the same idea and like implemented it somehow, but I thought that was pretty amazing. And if you think about like the imp- what what really grabbed me um, when he was talking about that, like he did a prez, I was like, oh, that's amazing because like yeah, these countries that kind of have to leapfrog over the tech, well, like El Salvador's done since, I suppose, um, with cheap Android phones. But at the time, like you couldn't get a smartphone for cheap. So it seemed like the the logical sort of way to go. Um, and the fact that's still a project, I thought that was pretty, pretty amazing. And I think it's like, it's a, it's a testament to what we can do with sort of legacy tech to integrate 
into the Bitcoin blockchain specifically and yeah, leapfrog for these these people that probably um, don't have access to, you know, um, well, internet, I suppose. Um, and if they do, it's few and far between. But Do you actually know how it works? No, I don't. I was, I was wondering if you guys were nah, I had no idea. Damn, yeah. It's, um, but yeah. your point there actually, uh, I think, ties in nicely to another tweet that you've reposted here on the website, um, which is the video or the interview of Jack Mallers talking with um, a reporter from, yeah, that one there. Um, we won't watch it because it's like a 10-minute thing, but I watched it just before and it kind of touches on that, basically talking about how like we need to get everybody onto the same rail network, being yeah. Bitcoin. Um, and in this case, with the legacy system of text messaging and cellular data mm. onto the rail of Bitcoin. And I guess this particular interview is talking about how, as you can see, Twitter partners with Strike on Bitcoin tipping, which I think was a not announced quite a while ago. Not really sure why. Ages ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why this has popped up again as news. I don't know. Maybe they've actually delivered it or something. I'm not, into, not too sure. But basically, it's a pretty good video. Anytime Jack talks is usually pretty good things yeah. to listen to but um yeah he's talking about how like with strike you know you don't even need to accept bitcoin you could accept japanese yen or something on the other end but you're using bitcoin rails to get that transfer across those borders instead of relying on regular inter intermediaries like western union and regular banks and all the other third parties that touch each of those transactions all and the take way. some and out of it as well which yeah. is why we have high yeah. fees and so he's talking about how Lightning has now become the replacement to that to basically do it all but instantly and also pretty much fee-free. Um, and so slowly we're going, you know, and he uses, and, you know, I've used this analogy before, I'm sure many of us have, of how the internet is kind of like that. You know, the internet is the rail for information and mm -hmm. everyone has plugged into that, to that rail to provide us with email and websites and all the different types of, um, services and, and different technologies that exist on that. Um, and so he's saying, you know, that time will come with Bitcoin where Bitcoin is like the internet and everyone taps into it with their own specific services and products. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it's a good analogy. Uh, it's, it's a video worth watching if you haven't sort of seen Jack talk about that before. It is. And she, she comes at it from, it's really interesting. There was one key point where she's saying, um, oh, is this like a, I think it was a bit of an aha moment? She's like, is this what Facebook were trying to do um, with it, whatever the hell they think? What was their crypto called that they were trying to spin up? Yeah, like Meta, they've changed the, the brand Le like five times. Libra? It was like Libra. Libra, yeah, Libra, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Libra, like the women's sanitary product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, oh, is it like that? And Jack is like, well, kind of, yeah, fine, but no, <laughs> it was pretty good. But like, but you do need analogies for people though. Like, if they can understand it in their way, it's fine. Hundred percent. Yeah, 100%. I think that that sometimes can be the problem is that we want to like over make it overly technical and for like the masses, if that if that's the analogy, um, and that works, then that's good. Definitely. Yeah, I'm a big fan of analogies when I try to explain stuff to people. Yeah. Like, I got a lot of background in like hardware wallets and security, so when I tell people like public addresses and private keys. They just roll their eyes at me. But if I say to them, well, a public address is kind of like a BSB and account number for those that are Australian, they'd understand. Yeah. Um, and your, you know, your internet login password or your pin number to your credit card is kind of like your private key. It's the thing that allows you to spend. And so using analogies like that, I agree. 
is definitely easier for people to comprehend. Uh, it's like the internet. No one, no one's talking about TCP IP and all the different protocol levels. It just, it just works. You just go to the website, you www dot, and it reroutes it from the to the IP address. That like no one's questioning any of this technology mm. because it's just so common practice. And like Bitcoin, I guess is just not there yet. And we all know that it's probably going to get there, but it's just going to take time, and it's going to take us nerds <laughs> yeah. to get it to that point. Ah, uh, I I kind of argue it's getting there quicker. Than it is the getting there. It is getting there. It certainly is getting there. There's no de- denying that. I think particularly with Lightning, I think Lightning, like the UX on Lightning is beautiful, like for the most part. And it's, I find it easier to onboard people with Lightning than it was with like, you know, Bitcoin QT or even, um, even, even custodial stuff. So like even like um, Coinjar back in the day, which was cool to begin with, but it's kind of like, you know, not your keys, not your coin. Speaking of which, had two people this week, um, Oh, there's my cold card, by the way. <laughs> just came nice. through. Just a calculator. Um, yeah, really, <laughs> really cool, really cool hardware. Um, yeah, speaking of which, I had two people this week. So there's one through my partner um, had, like, at her work, had um, someone who asked about, I forget what the company was, some UK company, um, basically custodial service just lock them out. So they like put a whole bunch of fiat in to buy Bitcoin and it's been months since they've been allowed to to access it. So I, I want to find out what it is, but I'm like, oh, that sounds like it could be like a, a Celsius knockoff or maybe even it's just a, a, a service where they're trying to buy BTC. Um, and they're know, going down on a weekly basis. So it could yeah, honestly man. be any of them to be honest, yep. but yeah, uh, I mean, not that we, I mean, we do need to remind people because they don't seem to listen, but it's been said many times before. Um, just no, take keys. control of your bloody keys. That's right. Stop stop freaking gambling and giving your ownership off to other people. Well, they, I mean, they don't even understand it from the sounds of it. So that, and that, was, the, that was the second time this week. So this actually uh, this morning was the other one. So um, there was some uh, pyramid scheme from the sounds of it. That's the only way I can describe it. Um, sounded like BitConnect sort of style where... Um, this guaranteed percentage of returns or something. Well, this bloke was was, was saying, uh, yeah, you buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. I'm like, well, you can do that anyway. Yeah. Um, with other people, and the more people you get into it, rah, 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 and then it was a house of cards. Like people just went off it. I'm like, yeah, obviously, it's like not your keys, not your coin. But what what I find find frustrating, and this is where the education piece comes in, um, and so important is. To them, like they'll walk away and go, Bitcoin is a scam, and they'll they won't look at it again. They'll just be like, Nah, that's a scam. I got scammed. Like it's over. So I think, like, I mean, I have empathy for them, um, because it's like you know, it's probably a lot of money to them or whatever. Um, but at the same time, it's frustrating because, like, like you said, Chris, we've been saying it for fucking years. Um, not your keys, not your coin. Like, get it off the bloody exchange. But I don't know, like, what? what's the answer? It's crazy. I think the problem here is, um, and I agree with you guys, obviously, is that on the whole, like, what is it? Like, it's only two, is it? it I think I heard Checkmate um, the other day. Uh, I don't know if you followed that whole Corey Clipstein thing when he called Stacks an affinity scam. And then there was a huge blow up on Twitter. And then a lot of um, 
I wouldn't say uh, like, so there's like this whole Bitcoin maxi sort of thing and whatever. And I'm, I'm like, I'm a, I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm not a Bitcoin maxi, but I'm a like, you know, Bitcoin first or Bitcoin leaning or whatever you want to call it. But, um, and so checkmate who is a lead um, Bitcoin analyst for Glassnode, um, I think he said there's some stat like only, is it 2% of the world have crypto or 2% of the world have a decentralized wallet? I can't remember. There was some stat like that. So I'm not surprised if, it, you know, even if it's 5 or 10%, but let's just say it's in that realm. If yeah. 90% of the world aren't plus and not used to um, having their keys and yeah. protecting their keys, you know, that's going to be, that's one of our biggest hurdles, I think. And I think that, um, people are so used to somebody else looking after their thing, you know, like I forgot my password, reset your password, get back in like that. So taking ownership over that, um, I, I get it. Like it's, it's a tricky thing and it's a hard thing to get your head around. And when I'm onboarding people, I think that's one of the biggest um, hurdles is like, well, once you do this, the rest is easy, but you do actually need to take that responsibility. And I think that that part of it, um, yeah, I think is it, it like you know that as you just said, I I definitely empathise with them because, you know, when you I you know let's call ourselves crypto natives. When you're not crypto native, it, it is scary. You know, like they're like, what do you mean you got to keep twenty four words? You know, and <laughs> yeah. it's it, it's yeah. it's a bit of a mind boggle for them. Yeah. Um. So I hate that it happens and it's killer and I, and we not we know what the answer is, but um, at the same it, time, it's, it's imparting it's, that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost as if we've come full circle as like humans, right? So if you go back far enough, we were self-reliant. You looked after you, yeah. you looked after yourself. You looked after your family. You grew your own food. You yeah. made sure that things got done. Whereas these days, because the world has progressed so much and there's certainly plenty of positives to come out of that, um, the fact that we're doing this interview over the internet is on. just one of those examples. But we've kind of come, I guess, complacent and a little bit um, – I guess we're taking it for granted, the fact that all of this stuff yeah. is, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just as if someone else will handle that. You know, there's, there's a lack of responsibility and, and, and ownership on, on individuals' lives these days just because everything is so at your fingertips, so to speak. Mm. So it's almost as if we're trying to now unwind all of that and say, well, okay, um, maybe maybe 200 years ago, <laughs> there were some elements of that that we want to kind of regain and and Bitcoin kind of pokes at that. Um, yeah. you know, mm. it, it says you've got to be self-sovereign. Don't hand over your keys to a, to a middleman or a, or a third party. Yeah, um, you know, take take ownership of of your assets and all that sort of stuff. Run so, your own node. Yeah. yeah, run your own node. You know, don't trust verify all that sort of stuff. I mean, yeah, I get that right. Don't trust. Yeah, don't trust verify. Yeah, almost yeah. um, <laughs> thought I said that the wrong way. I was like, oh, embarrassing. Um, but yeah, it's just. It, it's a funny, it's funny how like, we're, yeah, we're on this weird merry-go-round in some sense. It is, it is. And it's interesting. I think, I think you hit a key point with that. Like it's kind of moving towards the uh, self-sovereignty and having, having your own node is massive. And I think, yeah, controlling your own keys and everything and the mining aspect and having an understanding of that, I think with the, and I, but it all comes back to EDU. I think like it has to come back to education for that. And I'm doing my uh, a course now, like to to run through, um, doing my TAE like for higher ed, so I can basically write an accredited Bitcoin course or even try to. Um, I was saying to Chris just before the we jumped off, I'm I'm basically retrofitting like this blockchain course and kind of renaming everything Bitcoin for it, seeing yeah. how it goes. 
Um, but you have prerequisites and the prerequisites for um, a lot of these courses, are, it's obviously like, you know, um, literacy, numeracy, um, uh, you know, making sure you're, you're not LLN and um, having uh, digital literacy is a, a new huge one, right? So it's across the board. You have to be digitally, digitally literate. I think financial literacy is going to be the next piece to that. So like for this um, unit of competency that I'm writing, my prereq is Bitcoin white paper at the top, understand this, explain it back to me, then you can be sort of part of the course. And I think if we can take that attitude, so it's like um, maybe that's a bit extreme, but like who I'm writing for in in the um, description is like people who are sort of already financially literate and digitally literate to a degree, um, so they should be able to do that. But I think if we can take that idea um, of 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 it making it like front and center, this is a prereq in order to be able to go on to sort of other other things, then that's kind of the way forward. But, you um, might not have anyone joining your course, Kieran. <laughs> I fear no one's financially literate. Like they just they got no idea. No one teaches us this stuff, you know. No, well, that, that's the point, right? So, like, so making it a prereq means that it has to be included into everything because it's as important as digital literacy. And digital literacy is now, and that's a new thing. So, like, we've had a pretty big attrition rate for the course I'm doing. I'd say probably fifty percent, maybe. Uh, maybe forty percent, um, and it's all down to digital literacy. So, like people who who are not digitally literate and they didn't realize you sort of had to be, they're like, uh, I don't know how to pursue this. Like, that'll be less of a problem as time goes on. That's though, what just I was the way to say. kids kids is like picking up iPads at like two. Sure. And my daughter, like- it's a shocker. Like my daughter's two, my son's five and a bit. Um, my daughter was like, I was like, I'm gonna pretend I. She like she was like flicking through photos like. She's two. I was like, we don't let it like give her like a bunch of iPad time or anything, but because my son does this um, program called Reading Eggs, um, which oh, is yeah, like, yeah. A, which is it's, a, it's really good. He, you know, he started adding up and doing, you know, his maths is impressive for a five year old not at school yet. Anyway, you know, so she watches him, and so as you said, like I was actually going to um, touch on that. So when I when I did um, work through some of this stuff with kids at school uh, and sort of like applied it to their lives. They, they, a lot of them play um, a game called Roblox. Yeah. And so yeah, they, yeah. yeah. And yeah. you, and you, you, Kieran, you probably told this story. I don't know if you've talked about like how you did it through Minecraft, but a lot of them like are building things, trading Robux in Roblox. And I was like, you got to think about it like what you create, or if you create a game or um, whatever you code up. A lot of the kids in my class were doing like, coding things some of them already learning python i'm like whatever you code up you you know you can then own and you can then like monetize not that you're doing everything because we want to monetize things we don't come across like capitalists but like you know like that but you will own what you do you know like when you trade things like the assets and the you know the the skins and stuff that you play with in Fortnite or whatever you know like you put all this money into the game and someone just takes it to the bank. Whereas like you'll then own your assets. And I think that's when it was really interesting to sort of talk to them about Bitcoin and um, you know, how it counter, you know, about scarcity and hyperinflation, but then also about them sort of making money from their assets, um, yeah. digital assets, because they're so digitally literate. They, yep. they, um, it really resonated with them. And so I think Chris is right that like, um, it will be fascinating. Maybe not right now, but maybe it is in ten years or fifty. God, that's a long time in crypto, but and in 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 the world. But <laughs> you know, um, it will be really fascinating to see where it's at. Where this generation of sort of, I don't know, 
six to 15 year olds who are really digitally literate, like more digitally literate than we are really like maybe not us, but you know, the average big, adult, they are, natives, yeah. they would I, like, well, it, 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 it's, it's, it's actually exciting. I prefer to look at it from a utopian perspective rather than a dystopian perspective that a lot of people are like, Oh, kids are on screens too much. And I do agree that there needs to be a balance and kids are going to still go outside and run around and, you know, be kids. But if anything, like these skills could be put to um, seriously good use, at least I hope. So it's interesting. hundred percent. Yeah. I I totally agree with you. I think that the looking at um, devices as like, like a lot of teachers see it as like a distraction tool, but it's, it's a learning tool. Mm. And it's like, we we were in, um, it was two publications. I think it was just like Channel Nine came out to the school, and it was something else we were on, um, some SBS program, and um, it was when this the state was. Um, I don't know if you remember when the Department of Ed decided to ban um, phones in schools specifically. I remember. Yeah. So like we were there was like some school that banned them, and they this principal she looked like the devil. <laughs> don't they all? That's they part all, of yeah. it. No, no, there's, there's some awesome ones like like uh, my my principal from my school was cool. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. But basically, we we were we were using them as learning tools specifically um, because one, you can get like ten Android phones much cheaper than you can a laptop, right? Um, but two, you can do stuff with those phones that you can't do sitting at a laptop or a computer. So what I loved was the fact that the kids at school. I had a group of girls like in my Coda Dojo and um, they were just so articulate. They just like went, we can do this, 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 and this with these phones, like, you know, augmented reality and all these cool things that you can do with the um, the device that you can't do with something else. So it really irked me that they like went on that that tirade of like blocking or, or um, you know, stopping the use of, of devices That's that are really... Classic, something new that they the legacy system wants to push back against. Like I think of it, you guys have obviously more recent experience than I do with the education and schooling system because I don't work in that that area and I haven't been in school for 10, 10 years. But I think back on when I was in school and I was like, I don't really remember utilizing smartphones as like a an educational tool. Whereas like these days, I mean, every kid and every person has a smartphone essentially. I'm just trying to think like, what's it like in the classroom now? say in high school where I'd say the majority of them have iPhones or, or something equivalent, like you could just literally Google anything you wanted, like mm-hmm. any, any answer that is already known to humanity <laughs> essentially lives on the internet. And yep. I'm just, it, I, I try, I have this thought like, I don't know, once, once a quarter where I just like wig out and I'm like, what's it like in school these days compared <laughs> to what it was when I was a kid. And then you go back, you know, one generation to yeah. my parents and it was obviously completely different again. You know, I still remember having like those old school projectors with the light and the yep. thin film. Yeah. Like those, you just wouldn't, that just don't exist, I imagine, in schools these days. It's just all video projectors with HD and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's just funny how, you know, and that's only one sort of schooling generation, really. Like I'm only out of school for 10, 10 12 years or whatever. Um, you know, or maybe a little longer, 14 years. Um, but what, you know, what's it going to be like in, in another 10 or 15 years? Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. It'll be, oh, yeah. yeah, all these kids are going to be so primed with Roblox and the digital literacy and everything that they're they're doing these days. They're going to be so primed and ready for a Bitcoin standard world. 
Um, it's just going to be the old folks like it always is, you know, like that's why we still have post offices so they can go pay their bills in person. Everyone yeah. pays their bills online, but it's just oh. like the old school people go down with cash and they don't know how to use the internet. And like, I run a, um, I run our body corporate. I live in a block of units and um, it's fine. And, and uh, I set up <laughs> when I took it over. So it was, this, it was like, you know, rest in peace that we had a neighbor and he was quite old and he used to run it. Um, he kept the whole body corporate kitty, which uh, to be honest, actually, it's kind of a bit Bitcoin of him. <laughs> he kept it in a, in a, in like a, in a, like in a box under his bed. So at least he wasn't handing it over to the, to the <laughs> bank. But like, but like, you know, like, so like when I, when, when we pay our body corporate fees and stuff, like they all give me um cash or, or a check. Um, whereas it's, you know, I've just got to then, all, you know, pay it online, but you know, in, in some ways it's kind of cool because it is kind of like he was taking custody over his own money, but the other, uh, the you know, the other way of thinking of it is, yeah, it's kind of like what you just said then kind of reminded me of it. It's kind of like old school and where does it fit and how do they, how can like we make both of those things kind of work together. And obviously, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but Bitcoin does fix that, but you know, like, yeah, it's a fascinating, like you said, we're kind of are circling back. Big time. Mm. Big time. Yeah. Um, There's one other, sorry, Karen, I, I don't know if you were about to switch it up, but I was about to as well. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know if it's on here, but I think it's it's probably worth talking about. It's not directly price related, which is good because I'm not interested in that. But um, the news that came out of Canada over the last sort of week or two with oh, yeah. their decision and their legislation, I, I only sort of looked at it very cursory, but I've got a general idea of what they what they decided. But essentially, I don't know if they, I posted that. It was I haven't even heard. What, what's What's the story? Oh, well, this might be news to you then. So basically yeah. Canada, I don't know if this is actually in legislation or it's just been proposed. Maybe Brett knows knows a bit more of the finer details, but essentially they've said um, they've sort of whitelisted four cryptocurrencies um, being Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash, yep. where Canadians can buy as much of that as they want. And then essentially any other cryptocurrency will have a limit of $30,000 Per financial year is that is that right, Brett? If I got yeah, that that's right? spot on. Yeah, that's from that's all I read, so I didn't go much deeper wow. than that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So th- I don't know why they've chosen those particular four. I guess there's some sort of historical thing with them. Something. I don't so. Yeah, but you know, interesting news um, to come out of Canada, and you know, Canada what's, has kind of the, gone on the... a weird tangent over the last sort of couple of years. Oh, yeah. 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 Similar to here in Australia. So, I mean, I wouldn't put something like that past our government here in Australia, um, limiting the amount of you can purchase of these cryptocurrencies. Then again, if they're making capital gains tax off it, then they probably want people doing as much as they can as well. It's an income stream. So who knows how Australia will take on it. But yeah, very interesting. What's the thinking behind that, do you reckon? I don't know. I haven't looked too much deep into it other than just the fact that they announced it. I don't, yeah. Are they trying to protect people for lack of a better i don't even know what that necessarily might mean but <laughs> yeah like we know there's lots of scams so don't buy the scams much yeah <laughs> they're like be- yeah litecoin and bitcoin cash interesting yeah In the group of, Jesus Christ. <laughs> of all things that's amazing i was Go listening on, to right. a bitcoiner the other day like a pretty like a, a a fairly big bitcoiner talk about how he still has a soft spot for bitcoin cash and that some people think that it might be like I didn't, you know, subscribe to it, obviously, but it, that it might be like the original Bitcoin. And that's, you know, like it, it supposedly, I don't even know a lot about it. You guys can correct me. Um, that is purely like 
P2P something or other. I don't, I don't know. I don't know a lot about Bitcoin Cash, but I know it's been around for a while, but there are all those weird, those Bitcoin forks back in the day, like Bitcoin Satoshi's Vision, which was that kind of crazy Craig Rylan. <laughs> and... Yeah. Well, that um, fork from Bitcoin Cash. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, but there's so many different Bitcoin forks. Yeah. That was like, that was almost like if you, you're either doing an ICO or you're forking a Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. Back, um, back yeah. in that era. 20, back in, what was that? Like? 2017, 2018. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought that was interesting news, and perhaps that sets a precedence for some of the West. Perhaps uh, that's a positive. Yeah. You might need to explain yourself there. (laughs) Well, perhaps it's a positive thing that at least they're saying um, you can buy as much Bitcoin Bitcoin as you want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. That is true. I'm being generous. Maybe you're right. Maybe maybe it is good that we limit shitcoin purchasing because- It might be. So so you look at like, you know, there's people that are getting scammed on whatever the hell- things that we're doing this morning and yesterday um those people still think like shibu inu is the same as bitcoin right so maybe to your point brett it's yeah. it's a positive like for those people to quote unquote protect them i suppose but that being said like is it really the place of the government to no. do that? no it's kind of that's like, it it's authoritarian isn't it yeah yeah i'd, I'd like less government not more yeah. um even even if i necessarily sort of agree ish with some of their legislation in this ish sense. is like, correct yeah yeah ish <laughs> very yeah. big ish but um people should be free to make their own decisions even if the decisions that they make are absolutely horrible like yeah. buying shiba inu yeah but um yeah <laughs> interesting news and i wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if we saw something like that come to australia perhaps maybe after they've uh, integrated some sort of central bank digital currency and then they've kind of got a bit more control over it again and they start saying, okay, now we're limiting all these other things that give people more freedoms to sort of force the hand of, I don't know, just being mm. hypothetical here, who knows which way it will, it'll go. I, I certainly don't. But um, yeah, interesting, interesting news for sure. I guess on, on that side point as well, um, you might have heard that they – have started trialing a central bank digital currency here in Australia. I know they've been talking about it for a while, but over the last week or so, they actually announced that they're doing like a closed trial um, with some people. I don't know exactly who these, whether it's entities or, or or government sort of um, bodies um, trialing it, but they basically, they're, they're giving out whatever they're calling this thing. For argument's sake, let's just call it um, Australia coin. Um, but they're giving it to these participants in this closed trial, um, like a one-to-one. So if you give them one Australian dollar, you'll get one Australian coin and they're doing a test to essentially see what it's like transitioning to a central bank digital currency. And then obviously once the closed trial ends, you can redeem your dollar back from your, from your Australia coin. And that was my understanding of what I read from it. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, they're moving in that direction here in Australia as well. Wow, that's crazy. So, are we are we the first country to actually do that? Ah, uh, I'm not. I don't have my finger on the pulse. Close. I don't enough. know the answer to that. Yeah, that's I'd awful. say we're probably one of the first handful of ones that are actually trialing it and and doing stuff like. But is that. it I mean, not? Try- is it not just Australian dollars? It's, it would be like private blockchain, wouldn't it? Like it would, it's uh, I controlled mean, I by see, the government. Yeah, I, I, I don't see, see the difference. I, I literally see no difference between what we have now, which is a largely virtual digital yeah. currency as it is. Um, I think it's just 
maybe they're falling trapped to the whole slap a blockchain on it and everyone will think that it's somehow better. You know, maybe well, they'll maybe they'll the, put some marketing spin and say, well, a central bank digital currency has more efficiency and less inflation and whatever bullshit whatever nonsense nonsense. they come up with. But they could just pump more CBDC into it. Like of that. course they could. Of course they could. But, you know, yeah. back to the point we made earlier where we haven't been taught financial literacy, who's going to know? Who's going to yeah. know any different, right? Yeah. People are going to think, oh, here's this new shiny coin. It's digital. It's the future. And look at Australia being innovative. But yeah, it's probably the same. That's shit. my guess. Yeah. Well, it's, a, think- it's, a, it's a nightmare in, in the long run, right? So like the my my big fear with that is, um, well, obviously social the social credit tracking. system. Social credit system, tracking and tracing and all that. But the programming in a an expiry date for you for your coin, right? So like, the big thing that they've been researching is all right. So you got this this say Aussie coin or China coin, whatever you want to call it, um, with an expiry date of say six months. And if you don't spend it within that time, you can't you can't save it. Like that's it, it's gone. So I haven't I would, heard of them doing that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did do something like that. Wouldn't be surprised at all. And yeah, I mean that's just one sidestep from telling you what you can and can't buy. Yep. You know, which is what they already do with some government services where people get financial uh, help. They say, you know, you can't buy this on cigarettes. You can't spend it on alcohol and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. The central bank digital currency just gives them more power to enforce things like that in the future. Uh, no, you can't go down to the alcohol store. You've already spent $100 this month. That's your budget for buying alcohol. Yeah. Maybe that's a, you know, we can argue whether that's actually a good thing or not because alcohol is perhaps not the greatest thing to be consuming in copious amounts, even though I just finished my glass of wine. <laughs> um, but again, like, I don't care what people put in their bodies. People should be free to put whatever the hell they want in their bodies. Um, it's not the government's decision to tell us what we can and can do with our money. Um, yep. But a central bank digital currency certainly gives them more authority to um, be sort of the arbitrators of what you can the and can't cream. buy. Yeah, yeah. Did you it's guys a scary? See... It's a scary outlook. It is. Did you on the same similar sort of topic? Did you guys see this one? The guy I heard about it. Yeah, he took a bank hostage because he couldn't get his money or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. This is in. Uh... Yeah, I almost looked at it. And I was like, most people would see this and go, "Wow, that guy's crazy." When I saw this, I was like, you know, I can kind of understand. Like, I probably wouldn't do it. But like I can get him being frustrated in the fact that he couldn't get access to his money, which is supposed to be his. But yeah, again, well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, it was Bitcoin like back fixes this. <laughs> well, yeah. What um? What year was it that when it was like really? Well, it's still I, again. I don't want to speak for people in Greece. Where was this? This was in Lebanon. But um, when the when they had like the major financial crisis and that basically Greece, like they, yeah, the, the bailings. What year was yeah. that? Were they yeah? Were they li- limited due to like? Was it two hundred dollars a week or two hundred dollars a month or something ridiculous? And they basically two thousand nine. The last it's been the last ten or so years. Yeah, and you know, like that's a classic case. Like if you can't access your money, someone else controls your money. Mm. Tells tells the bank you can't can't take your money out. It's I I can come. Yeah, again, I I I I probably wouldn't hold up a bank, but I can understand. Maybe well, who knows though? Like we don't like if you lived in a country like that. Uh, yeah, that has those. It's different to here, um, you yeah. know. I, I think I was going to touch on it earlier. I think um, when we were saying how people are so uh, reliant on third parties to monitor, you know, to hold their passwords and hold their data, and but I guess there are st- there are still a lot of countries um, 
where perhaps it is actually almost easier for them to be onboarded to things like Bitcoin and not, you know, and to hold their own, you know, keys and hold their own coins. And, you know, like back like my um, brother's wife's family of Vietnamese and their family in Vietnam still keep a lot of their money under their bed because they don't want it in the bank because they think that the country could, you know, withhold them from accessing their own money. So it's almost like they're going to, they're more prepared for Bitcoin than say like first world countries are, which I find kind of fascinating to think about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah less, uh, less brainwashing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's a lot easier to remember 12 or 24 words than it is to, you know, run around with a gun inside of a bank. Like it makes a lot of sense. Right? But I, I mean, I, Lebanon's I, had an especially, especially bad time lately. Like bad their, time. their inflation rates are at like 200 plus percent. Like yeah. they're really, they're having their Zimbabwe it. moment, really. Yeah, yeah. They're really copying it. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I can kind of sympathize with, yeah. with folks like this when their world is literally collapsing around them. And then, you know, the one thing that they thought that they could get, which was their money, they can't as well. So yeah. it's, it, you know, I certainly don't condone gun violence or anything like that. No, but, we're not saying uh, that. No, this no. is, uh, this is, I guess, why America has their, their, is it their first amendment or third, which, which the important one for them. Second, um, second amendment. Second amendment. Okay, cool. I was <laughs> in between. Because, you know, governments go tyrannical and, and perhaps the only way to protect yourself against that is to be armed. And again, I we don't have that kind of culture here in Australia, so it's a little yeah. different. Um, yeah. But I think this is one of those classic cases where the Second Amendment would probably be helpful when you can't get your money and you can't buy food and you can't live. The government's going crazy. The banks are going crazy. What other choice do you have? I'm not really sure. Exactly, exactly. Um, I wanted to talk about this one finally, uh, and there's probably a bunch of other ones we could have touched on, but uh, just in the interest of time. I know oh, I spoke cool. to you about this, Brett, briefly. Yeah, we talked about it, yeah. Um, but so I'm going to bring it up. Basically, this um, this thread here, worth going through when you get, get some time, but basically what these guys did in, in Africa is actually using Wallet of Satoshi, so like Australian software, which I, I love to see. Yeah, nice. Um, which is really, really cool. But basically, they gave these kids um, access to Satoshis. So they had like, you know, per week, we'll give you X amount, circular economy. So akin to like El Salvador, how that kind of kicked off. Um, and they, <laughs> instead of them sort of saying you have to buy this you have to buy that and and um really sort of stepping in they said now let's just give them the money and kind of see what happens so it started off as you would imagine with some you know 10 11 year olds as them um purchasing lollies and you know ice cream and um, stuff that's bad for you and um as as they would normally do progressed on and they're like oh should we intervene and, and tell them like what you know what what they should buy Within a couple of weeks, they started buying like healthy food and they're like, oh, okay, this is really interesting. What the hell? Um, let them keep going. Like, this, this is amazing. So they sort of taught each other, oh, we should, should probably have some more healthy food, progress further. The kids on their own, this is the coolest part, decided, oh, what if we start buying in bulk? So if we pull mm. all our BTC together, put it in, buy in bulk, then we can save more Satoshis. And they did that on their own. So there's no no one telling them how to do that. They just learned that by themselves. Thought that was so freaking cool. 
and yeah. the fact it happened so quickly and the fact it's in obviously like we we're saying like in a third world country um they're kind of prime for it i suppose but the fact that these kids like like oh we can save more how many kids you know here have that mentality how much can we save like oh, not yeah. many. they all yeah. just want to spend 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 it's a fiat mindset this is flies in the face of that completely but i just thought it was amazing yeah i did see this and i thought the same thing i, I couldn't believe how how awesome it was and we, we briefly talked about the Bitcoin Akasi stuff, I think, in the last podcast a couple of weeks ago. And I mentioned um, BitRefill has been doing some stuff with them and and helping them out and getting involved with the the community there as well. Um, but uh, what was the point I was about to make? Um, oh, geez, it just eluded me. <laughs> One. <laughs> Sometimes I talk too much and I forget the things that I'm thinking about. Um, oh, geez, that's that's shocking. <laughs> may come back to me later but that's okay yeah i know stress but you know I, th- I thought i thought it was amazing and and to see that happening I, I guess it's it's really akin to what um you were trying to do brett and when i was doing at Marana, um you know teaching young students like how this tech works but it's just there it's they have <coughs> a circular economy to use it so we don't have to re- use analogies in roblox and minecraft it's like real world and it oh yeah happen like that like, it's so cool i wish i we think i've remembered that. my point now as well oh, um, <laughs> but this i think this is one thing bitcoiners sort of um often overlook is the the angle of how bitcoin is savings technology and i know a lot of people have talked about that um but i think many of us in the bitcoin space perhaps maybe we're not in the type of situation like these kids are where savings is vitally important um but you know this is a perfect example of how how bitcoin is savings technology and funnily enough my brother who was very anti-bitcoin for many many years for almost 10 years since i first learned about bitcoin and told him he became a bitcoiner over the last sort of 12 months and he's just like completely orange pilled himself and understands how bitcoin is bitcoin is savings technology and and all that sort of stuff you know i i'm I'm doing it myself with dollar cost averaging on a daily basis, you know, and I often wonder like why my bank account's not holding so well, mostly because I don't like fiat. So I don't try to keep onto much of it. But then I look at my dollar cost averaging into Bitcoin. And I think here's my savings technology. And this is something I remember when I grew up, like my dad tried to instill that kind of thought into me, you know, make sure you save. I think we all kind of had that kind of upbringing where your parents want you to save and probably so they don't have to look after you for as long. I mean, you're not dependent on them, but, you know, I think kids these days perhaps have lost that touch. Like everyone's very fast money, fast economy, buy this, use it, get rid of it. Don't use it again. Like it's just, you know, we're in that kind of society where everything's very fast paced. And But it's it's obviously subconscious, right? So we obviously had that. And I I was the same, like, you know, the Dolomite program, speaking of which, I still have that Satoshi might. Dot com we're website. doing that we're doing that one day you should do it because the dolomites um they got banned because they realized kind of that uh yeah. <laughs> that you know let's not talk about which bank we're talking about but um that was a little uh, back to the, yeah, I, I was kidding you know you know they used to say yeah, yeah, which, which bank, bank which anyway, bank <laughs> i was being a bit silly uh they they realized it was kind of like wasn't really even giving financial literacy it was just like a big marketing program so they actually got canned um, yeah. it, was it was a fantastic marketing program. It was that bank smart. since then. They got in. I haven't yeah. changed banks. It's crazy. They got That's me. Crazy. They got you. They got you. Hook, line, and sinker. Um, yeah. but Satoshi Mart or something like that. That mate. Okay, I love that. 
Yeah. I reckon it's cool. Yeah. Well, I've got the domain, so we should we should do something with it. Um, but I, I was going to say it's it is it's obviously subconscious, right? So like the we've grown up in a fiat mindset where it is spend 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 because you know it's not going to be worth the same the next day. Whereas, well, like, I don't know if people know that. Nah, but subconsciously, people, you, people you do. Yeah, for sure. Because you like you you look at like you know a can of coke. Um, you know, a year or two later, hey, why is this more expensive? True, more expensive true. Yeah. Um, you you take that in, but whether you maybe don't question it any further, but you, you get that it. information. Yeah. I think the interesting um addition to that is that people say, you know, I talk to people about it. You you've probably heard the same thing. They're like, oh, but crypto is so volatile. Look how much it it dips, and you know, it's yep. worth X, and then it's worth you know, four times less. And then I'm like, but you're paying three times more for your cup of coffee these days. I'm like, it's the same thing. So, yeah. it's, you know, I'm not comparing crypto and a cup of coffee. But I mean, like when they think that crypto is so, da- so dangerous, I'm like, but you're not saying that you're living the same thing and that, you know, Bitcoin has this like exponential imp- um, sort of like amazing sort of, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Kind of like <laughs> savings, but to to save, but also like potential. Sorry, is what I'm looking for. Yeah, you know, they they, they uh, I guess the that you know it, it takes a little bit of explaining, and that you know everything costs when you go to the supermarket costs you sixty to hundred bucks to buy nothing these days. You know, like uh, it's um, and then they think crypto is volatile. I'm like, your fear, you're getting your fear's getting pillaged hard. You know, mm. every, and I think and, people are starting to realize that though now because I think it's so, happening yeah, maybe. at a really fast rate. Post COVID, I think as well. Yeah, oh, I mean that just accelerated it, yeah. right? Like the problems were already the writing was on the wall for yeah. many, 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 many years. But I think a, a combination of things, including COVID, has mm. kind of accelerated it, and now people are like, "Holy shit!" Like even though it's been happening for decades, it's happening at a faster rate. Yeah. And now it's kind of like. You know, that was, I think, what disguised it for so long was because it took years to develop, you know, like yeah, pet- petrol prices were 50 cents if you go back 30 years ago, but it took 30 years to get to here. But now yeah. we're seeing it move 20% in a couple of months. Like yeah, during COVID, yeah. petrol in Australia went down like 60 cents a litre. Now it's at $2. Yeah. Like, you know, that's a three, four X nearly in a matter of a year or two. And like we're starting to see signs of early hyperinflation in the West and people are, yeah, it's scaring people a bit more, which is probably good, but you know, for lack of a better word. So (laughs) it's, it's the bando that needs to be ripped off, but, but but no doctor wants to rip it off yet because they know how much pain's on the other side, but the only way to get heat to get healed is to rip it off. So who, who wants to make that call? Right. Like, and, and I think, without getting into politics, I think that's one of the problems that we have here is it's a sort of three, four year cycle and no one thinks beyond that. Everyone's very self-centered and it's all about them. Um, So they they don't want to think 10, 30, 40, 50 years from now because it's not their problem to think about. No, which sucks. And, you know, I guess, you know, if you think like we do or you've got kids and you, you, you do, you're concerned for the future, it, it's scary to think that the the government are only worried about keeping their seat in four years. You know, like it's the short term yeah. thinking, um, short term thinking across the board. You know, like uh, you know, I, I well now I work full time. You know, in Web three, but um, you know, in teaching, and you just see like public schools scrounging for money, and you know, I've got mates who are doctors, and hospitals are sort of cutting costs and stuff. You know, wherever they can, and because it's such short term thinking about money saving, it's like well. 
you know, it's so obvious to some people that if you spend money now and you put money into education, you put money into health, or you, you know, you promote Bitcoin or cryptocurrency and things in a in the right way, that it will be better off for the country in X amount of years. Let's not put a time on it, you know, 10, 20, 30, whatever you want to say, but they're just not willing to do it. No one's willing because they, they just know that the overwhelming majority just aren't going to see it like that. And it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's, that's the whole problem, isn't it? Yeah, we live in such a high time preference society here in the West. And I think, again, the classic saying, Bitcoin fixes this, it forces you to have a low time preference. And, yeah. Um, I think we could certainly have more of that. Like my my time preference is crazy. Like I think now 10, 30, 20, 30 years ahead. I'm like, I don't care. Kieran knows this. I don't know if you know this, Brett, but I haven't checked the price of Bitcoin since the start of the year. I'm a Bitcoiner yeah. and I literally don't know what the price, like I got a general idea because of sentiment and things you see on yeah. stuff, but I, I have accidentally showed you a bunch of times. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get little peaks here and there, but like I have not actively looked myself at the price of Bitcoin just because yeah. it doesn't matter what it does today. It doesn't. Next week, no. next month, yeah. not even next year. Uh, so I set myself a target of, from the start of the year not to look at the price. So I'm like 300, uh, not 300, it's like 220 days into the year or whatever it is. I'm thinking like even when I get to the end of the year, like it's not as if I'm going to be like an addict and I've got to get straight to coin market cap and find what that price is. Like yeah. I'll just, just keep going because I used, just I used my to time have, preference. Do you remember the old Pebble watch? It was like the first smartwatch that was sort of released. It was like a Kickstarter. So like before smartwatches were a thing. So I like got the, the very first one. So excited. And it was like an app um, where you could install the Bitcoin price. I'm like, oh, this is. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> I mean, so, I used to be fascinated with it, you know, smash refreshing coin market cap and like, oh, it's gone up 10 bucks, you know, like yeah, yeah, as yeah. if it mattered. Like, oh, it just, yeah, it but did. This, it did. This... Like, it was important back then. The watch would actually buzz every time. <laughs> the was the watch just vibrating on your wrist like, oh. the whole day? It's like it ba- it basically a sex toy at that point. <laughs> <laughs> like, a... I want one of those block clock things. Like, they're cool, but I also don't. Like I would like to see that, but with literally the block, like the block height. No, no, you can do that. See, oh, you can do that. No, I yeah, thought you could probably. Oh, it's awesome. It. So you can do all sorts of crazy stuff with it. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm not interested in the price, but the block height would be cool. Like I've yeah, started yeah. seeing like people reference like their child's birth in like a block height. Like they're like, hey. yeah, like my child was not born at a time like UTC was born at a block height, and I thought that's fucking cool. You know, like really cool. they're gonna be a Bitcoiner when they grow up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe cool. uh maybe we should change tunes and um and yeah, start start picking Brett's brain about what he's up to. Um Go I have very little knowledge and understanding of stacks and I have a bit of a distaste for NFTs. That's so fine. Th- this could be an interesting conversation, but I Go for it. And and and, and be as critical as you want if you like. I don't mind because I that's healthy. Yeah, I just haven't haven't worked it out. Like, I don't know if there's an aha moment that I'm missing with NFTs, um, but think, everywhere I look around, like I'm not overly impressed by it. Um, so Certainly. Well, I think um, it's interesting. Kira and I had a really good discussion about it. So yeah, I work full-time for an NFT marketplace. So Gamma, so Stacks is secured by Bitcoin. So Stacks is a layer one chain, um, but it, it has a consensus mechanism um called proof of transfer and basically every confirmed stacks block the merkle root for that stacks block so if you like that's like the condensed kind of transaction hash for that block settles on the bitcoin blockchain so it does so by um by by uh not taking up like you know valuable block space 
that it would be if you were to write, um, you know, to use Bitcoin, which you, I don't even know if you can, um, you know, to, you know, create NFTs and, uh, you, you know, have DeFi on directly built on Bitcoin. I think people get confused that Stacks isn't built on Bitcoin. It's secured by Bitcoin. It's built on itself. It's built on Stacks because it's a layer one chain. It's not a layer two. Um, the founder of Stacks describes it as like a layer 1.5, just as so people can kind of see it's like bringing Ethereum type technology to Bitcoin. But because that transaction hash or that, that block I, um, is settled on the Bitcoin chain, it brings all of the decentralization and security of Bitcoin to, you know, the DeFi and NFT space. So I think like the whole Stacks, the Stacks blockchain in that case is um, super unique. It's bringing, uh, I think, like the the biggest aim, and I, I don't know that it is, and I've seen Manib Ali, who's the founder of Stacks, talk about it. He wants Stacks to be able to like write to block uh, to um, Bitcoin and not just read block, um, Bitcoin. So basically, you can you know spend native Bitcoin on the Stacks network and it work the opposite way. Um, and and yeah, so basically, like the with with NFTs, obviously the you know. The transaction hashes fit onto a you know a stacks block and then that stacks block is then it's almost like it's almost like a double confirmation if you like that transaction half of the hash of the stacks block is then secured on the bitcoin blockchain so um that's why they're called people look i don't love the terminology like bitcoin nfts because they're bitcoin secured nfts but they're about as close and same with DeFi. They're, it's about as close as you can get and i think that um you know you see a lot of kind of like scammy pump and dump type um DeFi things you know, particularly in, in and around Ethereum and like tokens being created for the sake of tokens being created. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of like capitulations in this, in this bear market. And I think to be honest, that's been um, healthy, but I think if people can uh, custodially use their Bitcoin and not wrap it, because, you know, wrapped assets are just kind of like a representation that aren't really, you know, isn't actually Bitcoin. If you can use native Bitcoin for, you know, like, I guess, you know, if you compare it to the legacy system where where we, you know, rely on all these third parties to like do various trades and, you know, use for collateral for lending and borrowing and whatnot. It's kind of like putting talking about um, you know, it's basically like putting banking back in the people's hands. Then Stacks brings a lot of uh, I think a really interesting use case to Bitcoin. So I don't actually have the I I need to find the blog post, but I know that there are there's I've seen where um we obviously don't know who Satoshi uh, you know, was or they were or he was or she was or the group was, but they talked about that um, Bitcoin being that, which it is, you know, that sound money, um, that sound currency, like, you know, digital, got, however you want to explain it to people. But then they said that they sort of expected, like Lightning, like I know that Lightning doesn't have a token, but, you know, abstractions built or created to enhance um, Bitcoin. And so, you know, that's something that Stacks aims to do. Um, and I think, you know, the fact that it doesn't interfere with Bitcoin, if you like, due to its consensus mechanism, which, um, you know, I'm happy to send you um, information to read about on it after that's where it gets a little bit technical. I think it's like a, a, a really interesting use case. And I think it's really interesting that someone like um, Checkmate and, um, you know, other people, but, you know, someone like him, who's a, who's a, who would, you know, almost consider himself a Bitcoin maxi without using the Bitcoin maxi. Like he just call himself a Bitcoiner. Cause I think maxi, you start thinking like, Maximals can almost be seen like, you know, extremists, so to speak. And it's good to be an extremist in terms of Bitcoin, but I think, you know, it can get a little bit dangerous in terms of like tarnishing, like, um, anyway, I won't go there, but, um, 
you know, he he's very interested in the use case of stacks and he thinks that, you know, that um whatever can be built, you know, like like this podcast that you said, you know, it's um you 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 know, you can explain a bit more. I don't fully understand how it works with lightning, but you know, where where there can be different ways that people can kind of like build or program with the security of and decentralization of Bitcoin without affecting the Bitcoin chain and taking up what is expensive block space. Um, Stacks is a very unique um, chain and because it retains its layer one, um, because it is layer one and not like, it's not like, it's not a side chain and it's not a merge mine chain. Um, Yeah, it's got really fascinating use cases. Well, I saw one the other night, actually, Brett, and this kind of blew my mind. Um, So I don't know if you remember years ago, there was through um jacks you used to be able to do i don't know if you still can um do loans like no non-kyc loans on ethereum um to was it keep key i think keep keys the the hardware wallet and i was like oh that's pretty cool like awesome and i kind of forgot about it I was like, yeah great um and then all these like centralized um versions of that popped up like you know um celsius and BlockFi and all that yeah like the it's like the opposite of that. I was like, all oh, right, um, like KYC at the yin yang and like rah, rah, rah. yeah. Use cases the other night, like um, using stacks specifically for that. So non KYC loans without having to give up your BTC private keys. I was like, yeah, oh, shit, that's incredible. and I know that's what a lot of there's a I know quite a few people. I know particularly um one group who are, who are really look who are pressing on with building that sort of stuff right now. Yeah. They're called Bitflow. You can look them up. Bitflow, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've been this... waiting for that because every other service forces you to hand over your keys, and that's, no, that's, this way. That's for me, the whole that's thing a non-negotiable. Yeah. yeah, I don't care. You can give me fifty percent APY. I'm just oh, not it's... giving you my keys. No I'm way. Sorry. So Celsius and BlockFi and all these. What a disaster! And what, it was the writing was on the wall. It was so obvious. Oh yeah, I mean to some. <laughs> well, but. Not not to the, the the fools that got got fooled, I guess. But I know I, I wanted to, I wanted to ask a question because you you were talking about um. Thanks for explaining some of the stuff about stacks because yeah, I'm a complete noob about it. No, that's fine. Yeah. Um, and and you know I've I've seen some of the criticism. I, I saw that thread yeah. from Corey, and it kind of you know make, maybe it brought more attention to stacks just for by the fact that it was <laughs> floating around Bitcoin Twitter for, was. for that week. But um, the the question I wanted to ask, and it's probably been asked many times, and I'm and I'm hoping you've got got an answer for me but um you know you mentioned not necessarily comparison but you mentioned how lightning you know is layer two and, and exists to complement bitcoin and, and stacks is kind of like that it's not a layer two it's a layer one or 1. 1.5 yeah um but it you know utilizes bitcoin in some capacity i guess the, the big question that that i have is like why why have a coin why what what is the use of the stacks coin um lightning doesn't have one um but obviously it's different in some capacities. So can you just yeah. like talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, I guess like um, that's where it gets probably quite technical, but I guess it's kind of like the ability to, um, to what's the best way to put it? Let's just use NFTs, NFTs as the use case at the moment. It's like the ability to kind of like um, exchange and trade and things in the, in the, at least in the NFT ecosystem without, um, taking up like i said like taking up that really valuable bitcoin um blockchain space because you want you know that that's that valuable you know sort of sound currency at bitcoin is what it is and if we were if it was like 
using um, Bitcoin and then not being transacted through stacks. And then I, I then it, it one, it, it would be like astronomical in terms of cost. And two, it would kind of like, it's not what Bitcoin was designed for. So it's almost like, uh, like the, the way that I kind of explain it is it's almost like taking Bitcoin or taking the, the, the security and the decentralization of Bitcoin and kind of almost like, it's almost like a, an offshoot or an arm of Bitcoin without it being Bitcoin. Um, and so it will be really interesting um, to see how it works. Cause I know that that's something that they're aiming to do where you can then, you know, um, pay in native Bitcoin on stacks and then it settle on stacks and then still settle on Bitcoin without it taking up that valuable block space. So at the moment, I think it's so it doesn't um, basically like the long and short of it. So in my, at least in my understanding, and I'm sure there are people who can explain it better than me. Um, Cause that, you know, I'm not like, as technical as some people who are doing it, doing the actual building is that, so it's not taking up that basically, so it's not taking up that valuable block space. And so that the block, like I explained before that Merkle route, which is like the condensed kind of transaction hash of that block <coughs> sits on Bitcoin, doesn't take up all the space fits in and Bitcoin can keep doing what it does. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't like slow things down or change things. It just fits in. And so that's kind of what it does. It's almost like, it's almost, I, I don't, I, I would, I don't want to say this because I know it's not, but it's almost, if you like, a de- like a different kind of denomination or like a cousin of Bitcoin that just kind of like gives bit or gives Bitcoin like a different um, or use case, if you like. I hope that answers it. I, I mean, I, I get you thinking, but yeah. I guess my, my counterpoint to that would be, I mean, lightning could have done something similar to that, but it, but it hasn't. So why, why couldn't a similar, again, I'm not super technical and I don't understand yeah. how the stack of, how the tech stack of stacks works, but why couldn't a similar approach be taken um, whereby it, it is like a layer two type thing where it doesn't take up any block space. It just settles as it does in a channel or something like that, for instance. And then when it needs to, it settles on the Bitcoin blockchain, you know, every period when it, when a channel closes or when activities finished or something like that is like, Again, maybe you're not the right person to ask this. I don't think I am. I I really would love to be able to answer that a little bit more succinctly. And I think it's a great question. Um, And I would love to find out the answer. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask a few people who I know would be able to answer that, but yeah, it's, it's a good question. I'm sure there is a logical answer, but I don't want to make it up because I don't, you know, I'm not trying to. No, that's fair enough. Speculating, but I dare say. Kieran might be able to answer something. Well, well, one, one reason would be like um, energy transfer, like for development, right? So development's expensive and to be able to build stuff is expensive and to be experiment is expensive as well. So having a token that settles on BTC um, allows you to sort of experiment and do weird things that you couldn't do natively with, with Bitcoin. I know lightning um, has uh, lightning's awesome. Liquid's cool. Like I've recently started playing with that as well. It's um, like a, like a cousin of, of lightning. Um, but those projects are kind of like built out. Uh, it's it's like the the opposite to the Ethereum network, right? So it's like Bitcoiners who are looking at, for a, a a solution for for payment specifically, um, and then they're building other cool stuff on top of. Actually, it. yeah, that that sparks um, an answer. So it basically allows for like the build of, building of smart contracts, whereas I don't think that that's that's not um, possible with Lightning, is it? No. Yeah, so it's the smart contract layer that can then settle on Bitcoin. Technically, you can right. do smart contracts on the BTC uh, blockchain. Native. Yeah, but that's where it gets expensive Crazy. and it takes up the valuable block space and becomes exactly there's yeah. that there's that less programmability 
because Bitcoin wasn't designed to be programmable in that in that domain. Sorry, yeah, that's perfect. Like, you just sparked where I, I was like, I know the answer to this. So <laughs> it, al- it's a, it basically allows, so like a, a smart contract layer to settle on Bitcoin um, so you can get things like NFTs and DeFi. Right. So I guess the cynic in me would say, yeah. I mean, that makes sense logically, but why not spend the time experimenting how to actually build that on Bitcoin like Lightning did um, instead of, you know, for argument's sake, finding some shit coin to fund it. And I, I again, I don't know. No, no, that's fine. That's, a, that's an interesting stacks. question. And I'm sure there are devs who have looked at it. And I'm, you know, I don't want to speak for Maneeb Ali, who's a very, very um, smart man. I'm sure he probably even looked at it and potentially has, you know, seen that, a, 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 you know, building a blockchain and a cryptocurrency like Stacks allows for a bit more like, flexibility and you know cost effectiveness and and whatnot um but yeah it's a good question who knows i'm sure it's been looked at but yeah again that's beyond my knowledge but i i can certainly answer with you know um with confidence that stacks allows that you know the smart contracts or they call a programmability or sort of like giving bitcoin that other sort of potential that is obviously quite tricky or quite expensive to do well, yeah, the, I mean, and now it starts to get into the same sort of criticisms. Like, this is the, the route that I'm going down is like Ethereum, right? Like, Ethereum's made this shit coin, pre mined a bunch of it, made a, a few people rich, and built this smart contract platform. And I guess no shit coin inside. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that was from the coin cart guys. They said that was like, that's I awesome. like that. That's it's really got, cool sticker. It's got like a little BTC thing on the corner. Like a <laughs> cool. But yeah, I mean, they, they kind of. They, they instead of investing time and energy and research into figuring out how to build smart contracts on Bitcoin, yeah. maybe it's not possible, maybe it is possible, time will tell, but that would have been like the Bitcoin route to take. Instead, they went down the shitcoin route where they pre-mined a bunch, gave themselves heaps, made themselves rich, and you know, you know the history. And yeah. so I guess that's kind of where, and again, I don't know if I necessarily subscribe to this point but i i'm just being the, the devil's advocate in the totally movie. and i think that's where having like a deep understanding and kind of like of how proof of transfer works and, it, yeah, and, and i it, don't and it, so yeah and it, it and it basically and again kieran can probably like add to it but it, you you basically um have to spend bitcoin so it like reuses like bitcoin energy to help like to to maintain the stacks blockchain and then stacks the miners and then pay out in stacks to the people who's in anyway it gets pretty technical but um it, and again it's again it's beyond my knowledge but i know it's that um that that's probably you know where the answer lies well and and, and the, the other aspect as well is the generation of btc in yield that's that's the part that really got me so like looking at um your block stack initially and then when they launched stack yeah. super i was like oh that's awesome like what what is this and the thing that grabbed me was the generation of BTC in yield a non KYC uh, aspect of that? So, like akin to mining, I was like, "Oh shit, that's awesome!" So, I think that's another big thing that probably gets overlooked as well. The- yeah, I know Checkmate really likes that. So, yeah, if, like you, if you're a if you're a stack staker, you get rewarded in Bitcoin. BTC, yeah, correct. Where does that Bitcoin come from? This from might the, be a really dumb question. Network. So that's that's the proof of transfer. Yeah, that's from the miners. People putting BTC energy into the network, and then yeah, from the miners, and then from that yield, you get X amount based on your your stacking pool in BTC. Which I thought it's it's pretty innovative, and I thought it's pretty cool. Um, I, I, I sorry, I still don't understand that relationship. So I I have some stacks. Yeah, I stake it on on the stacks block blockchain, 
and I'm rewarded in Bitcoin for doing so. Yeah. Where, where exactly is that Bitcoin generated from? From the people who are also mining Bitcoin? Like I'm yeah. taking from their share? No, no, no. So not mining on the BTC blockchain, but mining stacks from what from what I understand anyway. You should pull it up. You get onto the, there's like a good, um, there's a really good uh, visual for this. Uh, yeah. Do you remember where that is? <laughs> you could just, um, for lack of a better word, Google it. I do have. <laughs> Yeah, These yeah. might be really like elementary questions because I haven't done much research into stacks. So I'm just no, trying no. to understand. And I guess probably for our viewers and listeners as well. Is totally. Maybe they haven't looked into it just like I haven't. So um, I'm just asking the obvious obvious questions. Because like how many different consensus mechanisms have we seen over the last five, 10 years? Like, like yeah, proof, of proof of stake. Like there's been so many. <clears throat> okay. Is this, is this it? Yeah, this is the one. And there's actually a really good video um, that I'll post in the, the notes as well. Can someone explain what, what we're looking at here? Go for it, Brett, if you wanna you wanna jump in. Yeah, well we can just explain the flow chart. So the miner obviously like um spends BTC and then the the more the more they spend, the more the more chance they've got um of winning the block, but obviously it's still um random. Um, and then, you know, the BTC is then transferred. So you can see like at the top, like there's people like I stack my stacks. So you basically lock up your stacks, but it's custodial. So I can just cancel and pull out at any time. Um, for, for doing that, I can get rewarded in BTC. So then that, um, you know, is then written, that transaction once they win the block is then written onto the stacks blockchain. They receive newly minted stacks for, you know, for completing it, the, the you know, for, I guess, um, for that confirmation of the block that they've, um what's the word mind and then um that transaction hash from that block is then sent and settled on the bitcoin blockchain um and then yeah so you can see well it's got stacker one and stacker two but lots of people can stack their stacks um and there's different pools so it's pretty that's like the simplest way of looking at it so, so the miner on the left there on the very left that miner is that so someone that's running a running a bitcoin miner sha 256 miner yeah well they 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 might be i can't like speak for that so they, they are they're based they're spending their bitcoin so what do you mean stack. by spending spending bitcoin what what do you mean that's I, what i mean I they're they're basically they're they're like sending what well, again like so that technical aspect i don't understand how it goes in but they are they're basically like so their bitcoin so whether or not they're like a bitcoin miner or not um i think some of them are or i'd assume some of them are then using that bitcoin to like it through the like stacks consensus mechanism to to win a block and then mine that block and then win stacks so or to to earn stacks and then pay out some of the yield to people who are stacking the stacks. Which I think go I'm going to have to do some more research into this because I'm not quite understanding the relationship here between how people who are staking stacks are rewarded with Bitcoin. It's not coming uh, from what I'm understanding is it's not coming directly from the block reward. Only people getting no the block reward the goes block reward. to the miner. So Correct. the miner puts in the miner basically spends Bitcoin to then win the block or to to mine that block. Right. So the terminology of miner in this ecosystem is just someone that already owns Bitcoin. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. As a, yeah, as a apologies for my uh my no 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 that's fine in this, in this topic but uh i just have not had the the chance to to research stacks i've been seeing it pop up more and more yeah and i've been wanting to un try to understand it 
because of its claims to in relationship with Bitcoin, but I just have not gotten there yet. But um, so I appreciate all of the. No, no, that's fine. And so like that's that's my understanding, and, and I and um, I obviously like understand that about how like well at least in the in the space that I'm working in and with DeFi how the transactions are settled and and have the security and decentralization of Bitcoin but in terms of like the nitty-gritty kind of like ultra technicals of the of the mining component I'm not going to pretend that I you know have my head around every, you know each and every little detail but I understand was, like what that I, I can explain at least what that um graphic good, is showing but they're good they're, they're good questions Chris and I'm not um I don't want to. I don't want to make up the answer because it's not. You know, no, no, like, that's what fair. I ever do. Yeah. There was a good video um, the other night that popped up that I was going to sort of break down for the layer two labs guys that I didn't get a chance to do, but they kind of go into the mining aspect. So I'll, I'll find that and share it with you, and we can maybe touch on it. Okay, next. cool. Um, we are we are running quite quite late. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say. I was, I was going to say. Do you want to get into Gamma just quickly? <laughs> yeah, that's what. I was Yeah, look. So say, Gamma, but... we're you know leading NFT marketplace on stacks. I know that Chris obviously like you know, Bitcoin maxis or, you know, uh, ultra Bitcoiners, whatever you want to, you know, whatever Bitcoin, some Bitcoiners are not necessarily like a huge fan of NFTs. NFTs can unlock a lot of different things. I think it's a lot more than just trading pictures of monkeys around. You know, there's still a bit of that going on. Um, you hope so. Yeah. Um, I think that um, there's a lot of different things, you know, like, you know, like with what Kieran does, you know, sort of like, um, a, you know, access passes, memberships, sort of like, entries to courses kind of like proof of um proof of authenticity i know that like you know the the um the bike brand trek have you heard of trek of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so trek of um basically uh for the there's a lot of like knockoff treks going around the world so to to prove so like for proof of authenticity through an NFT, because people hear the word NFT and just think of Board Ape Yacht Club and stuff like that. But you know, and a non-fungible token, so to speak, like it can it can be so much more than that. Um, you know, it doesn't have to have like the JPEG attached to it. It can, but whatever. But you know, like they there's um Trek have basically got a thing where you can scan it and you know, you you'll have an NFT and it will show you that it is a legitimate Trek bike. Or um, you know, there's um even pod, some podcasters are doing it. I know probably in the ETH ecosystem, I know what you guys are doing with lightnings, um, probably the coolest way, but you know, you can have a, um, a, a ha, have a token and then that gives you like, you know, like a membership sort of gated access to something and that can be done through NFTs. It certainly can just be, you know, sort of like community type access. It can be like unlocks, like you might own an NFT that you then connect up to a website and you can then access a bunch of, games or you you know nfts can be like well we're talking about with kids like you know um rather than you know paying the Fortnite guys to have a new skin you know like you actually own your skin and then that's an nft and it becomes like tradable as a gaming asset so i think like um beyond the sort of like crazy prices being um sort of spat out for like board eight yacht clubs and you know whatever else that people see and think oh that's what nfts are i think like the sort of like more application-based ones or even like you know like community-based ones or like say you had like a you know a bunch of bitcoiners um and they they had a token that then allowed them like access to certain resources or access to a group via a certain platform such as discord or whatever um i think that like a lot of that sort of stuff is super interesting and starting to happen um like there's uh i know there's a group on stacks building something for like uh, I know you could do it with like things like Coinly and stuff, but um, like taxation 
sort of tooling and you if you have an nft you can then open up their platform and it will basically like do a bunch of your you know because i'm not i i'm uh i'm not anti-tax i'm anti-unfair tax um yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah um you know and so like the you know different nfts to basically like open up different um products or and also to be honest um you know putting board apes and monkeys and elephants and stuff aside for for art like real art like real you know i know it's not physical art that you can hang in your, in your room but i think digital art is is a legitimate um form of art and a modern way of put you know having art and people have got them on the, you know have a background on their phone or on their you know their computer or have like a, a a digital gallery or you know even have a screen up in their house that rotates through their you know their things i think it's a really amazing way of unlocking and um giving artists around the world a way to sort of sell their wares to a much bigger audience than you know than they would have been able to otherwise so i know for, you know i like to tell this story so i've sort of helped out this girl and she's from like a little village in um in indonesia and she's like a really gorgeous artist but if she didn't have, you know, the blockchain and, and and sort of like NFTs to be able to sell her art, who can she sell her art to? Like the tourist that comes through her, you know, village once every so often, you know? So I think in that regard, um, NFTs to kind of actually like give artists who are sort of, you know, like there's that sort of classic stereotype of like starving artists and artists, you know, not, you know, getting sort of pillaged by like, so, um, you know, by galleries, like they can put something in a gallery and then the gallery will take like 50% commissions and things like that, you know? So I think it, it's a big unlock for like the creator economy. Um, yeah. so a friend of mine who I've made in the space, her husband is quite famous. He's a famous musician from South Africa and, uh, Sony have completely are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Oh yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. <laughs> Sony have completely fucked him. Like he signed a contract when he was young. He was too young to kind of do his due diligence on it. And he makes like fuck all from like number one hits and number one selling albums and stuff, you know, like even still, like his his royalties are completely fucked. Whereas like um NFTs, if he were if he sold his music or or you know, an artist sells their art, then they every on sale or every sale that gets made, they can, you know, it, it kind of, again, like, you know, it cuts out that middleman. It cuts the Sony out of the equation. It sort of like puts the, it connects the collector, you know, with the artist. It sort of allows so many different sorts of things. Like, because then you have, act, you've, you know, you've got due to the blockchain and the nature of the blockchain, you've got, um, you know, you can, you can pull up like every wallet that, that, um, you know, owns your, say you're an art or whatever, a musician or a DJ and, you know, every art, every, you know, and you went and, uh, you know, and you, whoever, and someone's paid for like in stacks for your set and they've, you know, so they can play your music from their home. And then you've got their wallet address because, you know, due to the blockchain and public ledger, et cetera, et cetera. If you want to, you can then like airdrop them stuff or, you know, like there's so much more, um, you know, there's so much potential in that regard. So if you take Bored Apes, um, you know, they've made a lot of money and, but whatever, but it, it, if you take that sort of ideology or that, that sort of um, perception of what NFTs are out of the equation, they really do unlock a lot of different things. And I've touched on quite a few of them quite quickly, but one thing that I'm very passionate about, and I'm not a gamer, so I can see the huge um, uh, sort of, um, unlocking gaming as well. And I can set a huge unlock in terms of education and memberships and proof of, um, you know, certification and whatnot and proof of authenticity, like the Trek bikes and whatever. But if you just focus on creators not getting screwed, that's a very compelling use case, in my opinion. 
I actually think that's probably the only one that I can partially subscribe to. Partially. The rest of them, partially, because I'm not sold on it just yet. But I, yeah. I, I can see there's some perhaps avenue to at least maybe explore with the creator economy and and being a bit more peer-to-peer as opposed to, I agree with Sony and all that sort of bullshit. Think about tickets. So, you know, if you go to a gig, you pay. Well, this is where I was going to disagree with you. It's like, what's wrong with the current? Because if you go to a gig, like you pay, let's say you pay a hundred bucks for a ticket um, and, and you know, um, you pay like $7 for using your credit card and then Ticketmaster take, I don't know, I'd be making it up. Let's say they take like 30% of the ticket price or whatever. Like there's so many middle men that if, if the creator could just sell you the ticket themselves via an NFT, but they, they could make, like they could no, they just they, use distributors yeah. so they can get their information more spread widely. Yeah, but like I think the reason moving, we use Ticket Tech is because they've created a monopoly in places to buy tickets. But That's there's no reason why though. I Yeah, of course. But I don't think the solution's NFTs. Oh, it definitely could be because you could basically like it um maybe like well, I'm not speaking like for the like problem is still how do I get my tickets out there? Like I am I'm, I'm Kings of Leon. People are gonna find how to buy my tickets. But like yeah. I used to be in a band, yeah, and like like how would people hear about my band? We weren't that popular. But how like, were they in the in the first place? Like how were people coming and seeing your gigs? Well, through the people that helped promote the show, like the venue, the local communities, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, it, like I don't see how your example of Trek, right? Like it's kind of like a product key, right? Like you use Windows yeah. operating system, and and Windows have a, a a massive centralized database that says these are the product keys that we allow to work, right? Like, why do they need to be NFTs? Like, why would that make that system any better? And like, that's like, that's why like well, all I guess... of your examples kind of fall into that, except perhaps like the the last the last one that I said I could mm. perhaps maybe. I guess I be- I guess because it becomes verifiable, like it, it and and it, and it become like like yourself. that information you verify decentralized. Yeah, I mean, sh- perhaps instead of having to trust Microsoft that they've got well, the that's right it, isn't product key, but. It is. It's know. legitimate because then, like you know, if people spinning up, because people do, like I, I guess, like maybe at the moment, um, you're right. Maybe with Trek, like I, I, I need to read up more about what they do. Like maybe at the moment, it's a little bit like you know, um, a fancy way of them kind of like giving back to you know, showing or using the technology, and maybe it'll improve going forward. But I'm assuming, or my my assumption in that case is that if you're buying a fake Trek and you didn't realize. Or, you know, there's like knockoffs going around the world and people don't know that they're knockoffs. It's like a way of proving that. Like, why um, can't they just put a QR sticker on the Trek bike that you scan with your phone and it takes you to a website that has like some sort of data encoded that verifies off their centralized database that this is. Oh, I think that's a problem with track. QR codes though. Um, as well is because like it's not hard Whatever for someone technology. to spin up a website. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it's not hard for people to like spin up a website and 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 um provide that that you know, that information to somebody because there's not enough people who are doing the due diligence. So I guess like if it's verifiable on the blockchain and there's like a transaction hash that you have to be able to then be able to prove, um, then that that becomes a lot more, tr- uh, you know, verifiable. As you said earlier, like don't trust verify. I think it's that verifiability. Um, and again, I, I don't know enough about that track situation, but I think it's that verifiability that's like quite compelling, at least in my opinion. But also um, in regards to the, to the ticketing thing, like uh, uh, because there's so much more than like say I I bought a, a an NFT as a ticket to your gig when you were back in a in a band and then you you know a hundred people turned up so you've got your sort of hundred true fans you know that sort of thousand true fan um 
sort of theory and stuff, you know, then there's so much more like connection that you could then make with those fans. You could send them a ticket to a private gig. You could, because you've got, you know, their wallet um, address via the blockchain. you do that with an email? uh, Yeah, but email and stuff, you know, you're right. You're right. But um, I guess then there's, there's a lot like security issues around emails, people moving on from emails, like you'd have to then like collection of emails. So then it's, you know, like not, not as private things like that. So it's a privacy thing as well, I guess, in that regard, because, you know, not everyone wants to like write their name or give up their details. Whereas if you're just like a a wallet address, then it's, It's you know, it's the whole Bitcoin privacy act. It's like, you know, because Bitcoin is obviously like very privacy um, focused as well. I think, you know, it, it facilitates that privacy angle around that as well. Yeah, perhaps you could easily make like an email address that isn't attached to a real identity. I don't know. I'm just not seeing like this. That's true. But if it, you know, say it's a Gmail, then it, yeah, there's, that's fair. And I appreciate the cynicism and I'm, I, you know, mm-hmm. criticism and cynicism and things like that, I think are really important, Um, you know, for the space to grow and for me to be able to like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, it's the genuine feedback loop, right? Like yeah, yeah. If, if I'm thinking this, then it's like, well, how is NFTs or something or whatever going to counteract and solve these shortcomings in my opinion? Like that's, yeah. it, it's good to know. Like, and some of the things that you said, like, I remember when, like, I, when basically when I first met Kieran back in sort of 2016, 17, we were hanging out that, at the Bitcoin. Well, then it was called the Blockchain Center in Melbourne. Yeah. And Bitcoin first, then blockchain. Yeah. <laughs> Bitcoin first, then blockchain. Yes, that's right. And, and, and a lot of these ideas were being thrown around, you know, people saying, oh, we're going to be able to track meat from farm to plate using blockchain. And, and back then I was like, man, that sounds fucking cool. Like how cool is it going to be to be able to throw logistics on a blockchain and do this on a blockchain? You know, in, in time, I obviously matured and realized that that was all nonsense. And it was just ICO white papers trying to raise money to scam people. Um, and many of those things have yet to materialize. I'm yeah, sure there haven't. are still people. I'm sure people are still trying. Um, and, and, you know, there's an element of, I feel like NFTs experimenting in this area as well with ticketing and, and authenticity and all that sort of stuff. And and I'm just, I'm not quite sold on, sold on it yet. And, you know, I could be wrong and I likely will be wrong about many things like all of us. Um, but I'm just, I'm a little bit more skeptical than I used to be five years ago where I thought, oh my God, you know, where's the Everything. token? I want to. I want to, you know, I want to buy beef on the blockchain. You know, like <laughs> those things turned out in hindsight not to really be that useful, or like we we've got centralized databases that kind of do all of that stuff already and do it cheaper. And I mean, yes, that's true. The trust I element. guess there's, there's the definitely word. the trust element. Yeah, and I guess there's that, and I think it's the whole thing that. Um, and I'm not defending it because I think everyone's entitled to their point of view. Obviously, I think it's that whole trust element. And it's like you said, like it's a centralized thing. So if things if things were decentralized and and trackable, provable, you know, more privacy focused, like there's so many, and it's like, how old's the space? Like when the Bitcoin white paper was, um, you know, written in 2009, it's 2022 now. Like it's a bit of a crypto cliche, but it is still super early. Oh, of course. Um, and, and I think that, I think like the the legitimate use cases are, are going to stick around, and I think NFTs or not when when people again they hear it, but I think that the um idea like every sat is a non fungible token, isn't it? Like it, it, every NFTs are are gonna um stick around in the the right way. They're, they're gonna be used in the right way, and I think you know like like ICOs and things like that. Some of them are being not you know used not in the right way and there's plenty of scams and rugs and most of them, and whatnot yeah. around but i think that um scattered in and amongst that 
are are things like that story about that Indonesian artist and are things like, you know, like Kieran, um, you told me that story about how you like when you <laughs> tried to find jump your, that. you tried to yeah. find like your university degree and it was like a piece of paper and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, find yeah, yeah. It. you know, like yeah, yeah. if we're, if we're securing our keys and you can like log into that wallet and have that token that, or that, you know, that representation of your university degree there. Like, 100%. I think there's a lot of ways for us to like hold our information and yep. information should be cut, you know, it, it, you know, our data and our information gets, you know, really like raped and pillaged as well. It gives us like that sort of, con- sort of control back as well. So I think, you know, there are, I think there are a few different compelling use cases. For sure. And that's, that's what excited me, like building out the score Bitcoin um, on, a, on the roadmap using Stacks and the Hara wallet specifically for authentication to a learning wallet. So like you said, like you don't want to have a big database of student email addresses. That's like a honeypot for them to get access for you know, nefarious characters to get access to. Yeah. And they always um, will try. And I, lo- I love the idea of uh, like using an NFT for a certification specifically. So it's like, you've gone through this course, you're certified. This is yours. Here's a hash. That hash uh, is linked to your like learning wallet. And, you know, it, it, it knits really closely, uh, I think, um, with IPFS. So, you know, your hash mm. of everything that you've done in your wallet is is linked to an ID. But that ID piece doesn't necessarily have to have all your details attached to it. So that's what excited me, like, for that piece. So, like, you know, it's it's important to, to think about. Like, you look at Department of Ed, like, they've got a massive database full of student names that's, like, in clear text. Like it's dangerous, <laughs> isn't it? And there's no thought behind it whatsoever. It's crazy. So I think if yeah. we can move to that. The other point I wanted to make with the NFT thing, and I, I think it's really key with the um with the artwork. We did a project called Art of Proof at school. Would have been about 2016, Chris, I think. Um, with this group called IJAC, which was like um augmented reality art, really cool stuff that they they do. Um, and basically, you know, you hold your iPad up to it and it like stuff jumps out of the wall and the kids can sort of annotate over the top of it. But we got the idea to do, I didn't know what an NFT, like it didn't exist. I don't think like the name didn't exist. You could have pioneered it. Nah, 2014, I think the first NFT was minted. Probably. I, I didn't even know what it was, but I was just like, we had the idea to to spin up an ERC-20 with just like, you know, most people would just spin up like millions and whatever. We were like, oh, we'll spin up one and then literally put that hash like on the artwork and then put that on a Dex. And it was really cool because, like, the kids kind of had ownership over the parts that they were creating and, you know, no one bought them. But <laughs> it was still cool that it was, like, the, the learning process through that. So I don't, I don't think it's all bad. I think there's a lot of cool stuff that we can do with the tech. And I think, like, having experiments built on top of BTC as opposed to a shit coin like Ethereum, <laughs> I think it's a positive for the, for the most part. But yeah. And I think it's also a way for a creator to prove that they created something as well, because they've got like particularly, well, I hope so, at least on stacks, um, they do like, they've got the contract key and they've got like the contract address and they can show that it's theirs through linking it to their wallet. Whereas I know like if you drop on OpenSea, I think OpenSea, I don't know, I don't want to speak for OpenSea, but I think it's slightly different. Um, So there are just, there are different, there are different things. I'm interested, Chris, so you mentioned, so we, you don't find the the gaming um again i'm not a gamer but the gaming thing makes sense to me so if you say you play fortnite or say whatever like a, a <laughs> blockchain version of fortnite and you um own a, a PUBG. skin, a skin or whatever <laughs> I, I don't know uh, um you know 
it once you decide not to play that anymore, all the money that you've pumped into that game is kind of gone. Whereas if you were buying assets with, let's call it stacks, if you were buying assets with stacks and then you you know you you had a really rare sword that someone else wanted and it creates like that like digital economy and you decide that you they can then offer something for your sword and you might then you know go all right well that offer's great i'm going to sell it or you decide that you don't want to play the game anymore rather than all that money that you pumped into the game being gone you can then sell it to the like the next person because it's a you know an nft so it's able to be transferred to whoever else around the world so they can then use your in-game assets um like i i see I see that as quite powerful as well because gaming is massive. Like what did that guy win for, for winning the Fortnite world cup or something like millions of dollars? Like oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not a gamer, massive. but it's massive. Like gaming is massive. And so, I mean, I'm a gamer. So I, oh, I, so you I, can I, tell I, me, how do you feel? Well, you know, look, to be honest, you spend I, I, a lot of money on gaming. Not, not in game purchases. That some much, people? Oh some yeah. People do. yeah. Oh yeah. They, you know, people play FIFA and they buy, packs after packs just to yeah. try to get those cards which are i so guess if they were NFT... scarce if there were if there was a scarce if there were a thousand or a hundred of something or you know and so like and they were whatever i don't even know why they're buying them i played fifa years ago i don't remember being able to buy anything i think it was probably pre that sort of tech like it would make sense that if they go all right well someone offered me like three times what i paid for it because they really want it that's kind of an interesting use case or but that already exists. Like you can Does do it? that in FIFA. Can you oh, yeah, trade yeah. it? Can you trade it yeah. to someone else? There's yeah, an yeah. open market there. I mean, you're not you're not getting dollars like US dollars or anything. You're getting FIFA you getting? points or whatever. But then what can you do with those? You can buy other things. You can yeah, buy yeah. But up, can you pull it out afterwards? Can, you can't off ramp that. No, it's a close. So that's decade. it, isn't it? So like, if you wanted to, you could then off ramp that and you know have it in dirty fed if you wanted. But you know what I mean. Or or it can <laughs> be in the, or it can be in stacks, which can then appreciate, or you can then you know swap it for Bitcoin. Yeah, perhaps that's that's maybe the use case is that it can connect to the the outside world as opposed to being a closed system. That's it. That Sorry, that's game. my point. That's my point. So I yeah. I. I I didn't realize that you could trade it for FIFA points or soccer balls or whatever, <laughs> whatever. The yeah, yeah. But I think, I think it's like the, the fact that you could then, I could then sell you my Manchester United rare gold kit or some, uh, you know, I'm a Tottenham fan, but um, you know, whatever. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm an Arsenal fan. That hurts. <laughs> oh. um, we've got a few points of difference, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually, um, I actually like you though, but like, since you mentioned your Tottenham I like you fan. Too. Oh. Um, that's hilarious. <laughs> That is hilarious. And it um, is. but you know what I mean? So it's like if you've got this like one-off rare arsenal kit, or you've got like, you know, the ultra Dennis Burkamp, whatever, you know, and, and then you trade it to someone else and they trade you some stacks, and then you can pull it out and get some fiat and pay your bills, or you can, you know, swap it to Bitcoin and hopefully we're paying with Bitcoin. You know, like I think um that that that's where the the NFT or the non-fungible token, like because again, it's not the board API club, it's it's like this a way of us exchanging things without, you know, um, these middlemen or without like FIFA just keeping what, you know, EA sports, keeping all the money that we pump into the game. Yeah. The funny, I mean, the funny perhaps... thing is with, um, with steam used to be, well, you still can like sell token or still stuff that you've earned, like in games for like steam points, but it used to be like steam actually allowed BTC payments natively. Like, yeah, they can all Gabe killed it. Stuff, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was so it sucks because that was like the network to do it. Yeah, on. so yeah. I think that that was that was kind of like the very yeah that was like almost like a, a early day planting the seed for this 
sort of thing to come in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. We might leave it there then, guys. I think that's uh, been a great chat. I've been doing our yeah. podcast. It's been yeah. super fun. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining us, Brad. Nah, really pleasure. Really, really. No, that was you awesome. too, guys. Thanks for having me on. Really, really next good. Time I'm down in Melbourne. Maybe we can all catch up for a beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah we should. Sounds yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Where are you? Actually, I'll be down next week. I'm in Sydney. I'm in the Blue oh, okay, Mountains. Okay, cool. Yeah, oh, beautiful. We'll do that for sure. Awesome. All right, guys. Adios. See you next Peace. time.